not reflective of how the leaders are handling the economy. Based on what you've seen, do you feel better about their ability to handle their debt situation now than you did, say, six months ago? Um, uh, probably uh, uh, about the same. The balance of payments issue is going to be a challenge. Let me, um, if you want to get into the balance of payments, I'll explain it just a little bit. But the balance of payments has to do with the currency. A lot of money leaving the country. Yes. For, uh, and, and they are draining the reserves very quickly. That's right. At, well, because money is leaving the country. And also, this, these cycles happen every place. But what happens is when the money's leaving the country and less money wants to go into the country, it creates a balance of payments issue. Um, in terms of that money leaving the country, they have a lot of control over that nature of that money because a lot of those are state-owned enterprises and other things. For example, they've just opened the bond market to foreign investment. We estimate that probably in um, maybe 18 months or two years, that'll be worth about probably in the vicinity of maybe $200 billion of inflows. In other words, you could have, by opening the bond market and having foreign investors invest in the market, it will also attract money in. Many of their companies are state-owned companies and multinational companies, and they have greater controls over the, the, the than we might think for ourselves and, and so on. So while there's a balance of payments challenge uh, there, there are also ways to, to deal with that. I'm not saying it's not a challenging situation. It is a challenging situation. But I'm, the tools to management, and, and I would say the capabilities of managing it are, um, are excellent. I will say that, um, you know, I, I, I get to know different economic leaders around the world in, in different ways, and I would say that their capabilities are equal to the best that exist uh, anyway in terms of uh, the things that need to be done, which are monetary fiscal policy, restructuring debts, I mean, all of those types of things. And there is an advantage. There, look, there are a lot of disadvantages to a, a, a system like that. But one of the greater advantages is that there's also greater controls over things. Do you think to fix this balance of payments issue you've described, they'll have to devalue their currency? I, you know, um, I don't know. Um, I guess the, the thing that I would say is um, there's a balance of payments pressure. I, uh, it's one of those things where the, it's too close to call. The, tool, the tools that are there are, are really great in many ways, and then it's just one of those too close to call situations. When we go back to what you were describing, the failures of uh, monetary policy one interest rates, the failures of monetary policy two quantitative easing, the possibility of monetary policy three where uh, somehow governments get cash directly into the hands of consumers, um, does that auger – what does that auger well or poorly for, you know, if you're thinking as an investor? Well, um I th well, it, if you're thinking, there's the economy and there's the investor. I was going to ask the, answer the economy part of it first, but you've asked from the perspective of the investor. Um, from the perspective of the investor, I would use um, Japan as being more of um, what is most more likely, unless there is uh, a debt restructuring to, to deal with these things. Meaning, um, we... We have a, we've raised the limits as, as to debt relative to our incomes as an, as a group. Some, there's the private sector, there's the public sector, but let's take us as a country, then take us as a world. So include Europe, take China, take the whole world. The world has a limitation right now in terms of you can't raise much debt, so it can't, we can't borrow our ways to higher spending. 
with the zero interest rates being down there, that's where we are. And then in terms of returns, we're going to have a low return environment. And that low return environment is the main issue. That's, that, that becomes the main issue. But when you liken it to Japan, Ray, and I just want to remind everybody who's watching, again, Bloomberg Television viewers and Bloomberg Radio listeners worldwide, does that mean that the United States and Europe, the developed world, broadly speaking, of course, Japan is part of that, but is that tra the trajectory? Is that the road that we're headed down? That um, we're so looking loosely at speaking, I believe that that's the most likely scenario, meaning slow growth, very slow growth. Deflation. Ups and downs. Okay. Um, the increased difficulty in stimulating monetary policy that was manifest in deflation. The movement toward increasingly other alternatives, ways of having monetary policy that will produce stimulation. More currency volatility. But in other words, I d I'm not expecting something like 2008 because 2008 was a debt crisis. There were a lot of debts coming due and they, they couldn't be paid and that was what 2008 was. This is not like a crisis situation that, that way. It's not one of the, you know, I don't think we're going to probably see the big bang crisis type of thing. I think that what we're going to see is this kind of situation in which there's the dynamic of, of a relative stagnation, low returns, and also the, um, uh, you know, not much picking up and low returns and stagnant and volatile markets, choppier markets probably over a period of time. So because like, like, like what we've seen like, the, like, like, like at the seen, beginning of this year? Yeah, it's because as you, as you have the zero interest rates and then you have the market sell-off, then the market sell-off brings back risk premiums, and there's a lot of liquidity. And so from an investor point of view, okay, then you might move out from something like cash or a bond or something to a, a, an asset like equities, and you might move out. And so you have this movement up and down as those risk premiums change. But, but investors on mass are, have to decide that, that those risk assets have repriced enough to create an attractive enough spread between... That's, that's and, right. Are we there yet? Um, well, I, I, you know, as I, no one knows exactly what that range is. I think that becomes the nature of it. And then we have to see what that, whether there's that negative feedback loop. I see. Okay, because that part of the negative feedback loop is, in other words, stocks go down, and that then means the wealth effect is lessened. And as the dollar goes up, and the wealth effect is, and, and that makes us less competitive. Now, both the rise in the value of the dollar and the decline in the value of stocks is essentially a tightening of monetary policy. And there's a tight, globally, there's a tightening of world economic activity. And those negatives, um, how exactly they pass through to the economy is the asymmetric risks that I'm referring to. I see. Ray, while you're sitting here, uh, I, w I want to touch on something that I know is important to you because it's attracted a little bit of attention lately, shall we say, which is... Bridgewater's culture mm -hmm. and the attention that it's attracted is due to this notion that there is some kind of a dispute, if you will, between you and your co-CIO, Greg Jensen. Give me a sense of what's going on behind I, the scenes. I, I mean... Uh, no, I, no, no, no. But culture is... Okay. You know, that's culture why people the, are asking questions okay, about culture, it again. Okay. Um, the way that we succeed is by having thoughtful disagreement. When I... Um, I'm so scared about being wrong. And the key to my success and our success is to try to find people who disagree with us who are smart and try to understand their point of view so that we can have disagreement.
In order for us to have independent thinkers, there's going to have to be disagreement. 